This is Bill Belichick, coach of the New England Patriots. He's won three Super Bowls. How? He cheated. He even got caught cheating, and nobody cared. Bill Belichick proved that in America it's okay to cheat as long as you cheat your way to the top. Welcome to the Fantasy Hardos. I'm your co-host Alexander Galambos and I'm joined by Mike Del Plavignano. How you doing tonight, Mike? I'm good. I love that uh, that South Park episode. It's one of my favorites. And I think it's perfectly, uh, it's the perfect clip to kind of tee up today's episode. It definitely is. Uh, last week was a very democratic uh, process in our league. There was a lot of voting on rule changes for our keeper format uh, auction style league. Yep, that's right. And I think, we, I mean, Carmen talks about Bill Belichick being a cheater. You know, we spend a lot of time curating these rules and inevitably somebody trying to get an edge at some point in the year forces us to think about a new rule that we hadn't thought of because, you know, they're trying to circumvent the rules that are in place. So, you know, we know that we've got a competitive group of guys when when uh, something new pops up because someone's trying to get an edge over the rest of us. Yeah, my favorite part of the entire democratic process in the voting that occurs is the people that add to the to the polls uh, regarding their their fascination with just listening to the debate and, and watching people uh, go at each other a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So for cons for those listening, uh, Alex is describing we basically dedicated the first week of August to discussing new rules and having uh, kind of a, a live debate uh, over text to which led into a vote on each rule. So we had a democratic process of more than half the league supported a rule, then we changed it or we implemented it. And if they didn't, then we the vote the rule was shot down. Uh, I mistakenly assumed that some rules would be easier to pass than others. And funny enough, <laughs> do you want to start with the first one that you, you want to start with the first one that you thought was the shoe in that, that wasn't such a shoe? In? Yeah, we can start there. So I, we had, I think we covered five new rules that were up for, for uh, conversation. I assumed that the easiest one, uh, so just to refresh people, the cost of keeping a player in our settings is you pay $10 more than you did in the previous year uh, for whatever you, you paid for them in the auction draft. Uh, we kind of found that at the end of the year, there wasn't a lot of value left in tight ends outside of Kelsey, I think. There isn't really a whole lot of players worth keeping at that $10 premium. So I suggested that why don't we reduce the premium to $5, thinking that you know it was a marginal change, not a big deal. This will be the icebreaker to the the week of rule debating. And next thing you know, it's the middle of the workday and you've got four or five different guys in the league engaged in a full-blown debate about what the right amount is. And if this is going to break the league, what happens when the new Gronk comes into the league and guys are digging up stats on what the ADPs were for the tight ends 10 years ago who had breakout years. And we really went down a rabbit hole. There was a healthy debate. There was a lot of historical precedence that was unearthed in coming to a final decision. But basically, the the league did side with the no to this rule. And it was 
a very interesting and long debate. But, you know, I think it does make sense that you do want to you do want to not have the tight end position locked up because it is so scarce at the top in terms of the 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 ones that you just want to keep forever. <laughs> and if you do have a new one that comes in like and someone locks them up, okay, they've drafted value, but at the same time you you really are locking up that position for the rest of the league for, you know, for 3 years in our league. You can only keep a player for 3 years is the other piece uh, of our of our rule book. See, I see it the other way, right? Like your argument is it's more fair to open up or to have more tight end talent going back into the draft each year. My argument is, well, if there's no value and everyone's getting put back in, we should give people an incentive to find that value. Um, I'm not sure I was convinced that a lot of precedent was shared, but the edge case that some tight end does have a breakout year and, you know, kind of breaks the league, if you want to call it that, by just being too valuable. Um, I think I ultimately changed my vote because I was, you know, that edge case, you know, was one I wanted to avoid, even though I still think it's quite an unlikely one. Well, we'll see how that serves us going into this year and see if it, if we arrive at a different opinion at the end of the year again as a on a consensus basis. But for now, that one was that one was uh, firmly shot down and we will be keeping the uh, the keeper price for tight ends at the same price as every other position, which is ten dollars. I mean, it makes my life easier. So at the end of the day, that's all right. That's all right with me. Yeah, less manual adjusting on your end and less keeping track of a different uh, type of scoring or a different type of uh, draft capital uh, yep. uh, payment. Um, I guess the next one, which ugh, this one was a, a bit of a gut wrench for me just to, uh, with how things unfolded last year. So median scoring. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with median scoring, you basically get a point for winning your head-to-head matchup in any given week. So you get one, one point on your record for that. And then you also get another point for scoring in the top half uh, of, to- of the total points for that week um, of all the players in the league. And so last and so what I like about fantasy football is just from my perspective is that, you know, we have worked to eliminate a lot of the chance and the randomness that comes with fantasy football in the way that we've structured our league. If you've listened to the other episodes and last year, I had a bit of fantasy magic in that my team was barely in the, into the playoffs at the end of the day. And with the record that I had. Uh, And the head to heads that I had had, I probably would have ended up outside of the playoffs if a league median were to have been implemented. And so just just just, just to clarify, I ran the numbers and I know for a fact that you would not have made the playoffs with the median in place. And and I don't think that that supports your argument that you can't catch up. Um, I think that the reality is just that. You had some wins that that eked you into, I think it was sixth place or maybe fifth place in the playoffs. I finished in sixth. I got the last spot and it was, you know. And you had some bad weeks where you had a bad matchup. And so my, I mean, you'll, this is something that we'll we'll consistently cover on the podcast. We started to touch on the fact that we don't like kickers in defense last time. Uh, You know, I, I, fantasy football for any individual player is already an extremely random outcome, right? You're trying to your best to guess at what's going to happen. Game script impacts it. Weather impacts it. You know, injuries impact it, even if it's just for that individual game and not a long-term one. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that 
create a ver- a highly variable outcome each week. And so if there are options for us to kind of reduce some of that variability and reward managers for coming for you know doing good analysis and kind of making more of a skill-based product or uh, competitive dynamic, I think that's the right direction to go in. So we had, I thought this was actually going to be a contentious one. <laughs> I uh, made a, a, a backdoor deal with Alex to get his vote in favor of it. And it actually turned out that it was pretty unanimous that everyone was supportive of a median uh, scoring system. And I actually just saved Alex from embarrassment by being the only person to vote against it. Ugh. Yeah, much to my chagrin. Well, we'll see how it goes this year. Who knows? It, it may be one of those things that I changed my mind on as time goes by. But, um, you know, after the fantasy magic that I have still in my heart from last year's big win and run uh, through in t- to get into the playoffs and then all the way to the end, I just, I don't know. I, I want that to be a possibility for somebody else in future years because it does happen. You hear these stories. and Yeah, I would say... So one, you know, the one argument is it reduces randomness, the one argument in favor. The other things I think that are actually in favor of this. So I went back and and mapped out the scores from every week across all the teams. And I think in 11 out of the 14 weeks, 6th and 7th were differentiated by less than 5 points. So my argument is even if you're in a blowout matchup where you're way ahead or way behind, uh, because perhaps your your mat, your head-to-head matchup is someone who's doing really poorly or really well, and you're somewhere in the middle, this week is now still interesting for you, and you still have something to play for. So I think it actually adds a lot of excitement to it. I'm always still scoreboard watching the rest of the league, even if I'm in a blowout matchup, if I'm on one side or the other, because I'm curious how my league mates are doing. And, I, I you know, there's always that those those couple of people in the league that you want them. You want them to have a good or a bad week in terms of, you know, your overall standings in the league. Right. So you're always sitting there watching to see what's happening in the other matchups regardless. So to me, it changes things a little bit. But do they does it change things monumentally for me? No. I never go to, to full autopilot. I'm always watching. You're you're giving people a, a nice glimpse into the mind of a fantasy hardo, and I, I'm the same way, right? So if my matchup is settled, I don't turn it off. I look at the rest of what's going on in the rest of the league and who I want to cheer for, or perhaps who I would like to see win, which would you know help my standings out or something exactly. to that effect. Exactly. You're always watching with that lens of what would help what would help you going forward to happen, what outcome would would be helpful, right? But ultimately, uh you, you, the thing that is the most exciting is is where how you're performing and where you sit in the standings. And so this is intended to be in support of that. Um and the last point I would make on it is you'd mentioned, oh, you made a late season push to make the playoffs. I mean there's twice as many points available each week, right? So in actuality, if someone has a kind of a decent start to the season and then they slowly taper off and someone comes on strong late, they can catch up by two points every week instead of just one. So I think it actually might, we'll see how this year goes, but I think it might actually create a dynamic where you can catch up quicker in the second half of the season with, with two points available each week. Yeah. TBD. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, the, the next rule that we we wanted to implement just for people who, you know, say they are holding a spot out for um, somebody who they can't drop or whatnot, like, you know, we have situations that occur from time to time where people just don't 
start somebody or they're starting somebody who's injured in a slot where there should be a viable option that they can play either from their bench or from the waiver. And so really this is being implemented. It's a penalty type rule. It's the don't be, don't be shit rule, right? So we, we, those in favor of it, we've dubbed it the don't be shit rule. Uh, those against it have dubbed it the hardo rule. And essentially what it is, is if you don't start a full roster every week, you're going to get docked $2 from your draft budget next year. Every time. Uh, unless you declare that you physically can't do it because you don't have enough players and you know, there are players on your bench that are perhaps on bye weeks or injured that you're unwilling to drop. That's the exception. Uh, and I think really this stemmed from someone last year, you know, was a seller at the deadline. Uh, they knew they were out of the playoffs. They had already made all their, they sold all their good players and then he just didn't really pay attention, I think, leading up to kickoff. And there were some last-minute injury decisions that were announced, and he ended up starting guys that were were out. That, that with, I think it was Christian Watson just going off on his bench, actually. So yeah, well, don't, and, and don't, yeah. And the other the other piece of this was we were they were trying to sell that oh there are corner cases wherein you know somebody goes on vacation or you know they're they're going dark for whatever period of time. But I mean, if that's the case, you make arrangements, you do your best in order to to make sure that you're available before kickoff. You always you're always keeping that in the back of your mind. And so unless there's some type of emergency or there's some kind of life event that is intervening that is preventing you from doing so, then really there isn't any excuse in the mind of a hardo. I actually I can't take credit for the the don't be shit title, but. The summary of what you just said is, yeah, don't be shit. I played in a, a fantasy hockey league where this was essentially the slogan of the league. Anytime someone complained that a rule was too hard, the the rebuttal was don't be shit, which is really <laughs> just to say, like, you can figure this out. You know, just don't be soft. Don't be shit. So we'll see how much more of this comes up throughout the year. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be a particularly contentious one, but there were some people concerned and perhaps you know kind of tip their hand that aren't, aren't quite the hardos that we are did we specify the amount of time that they have in order to declare that they're that they're basically starting somebody who's suboptimal in their lineup for the week because of an inability or inflexibility to do so well it's not suboptimal right it's start it's not starting a full lineup and so as long as they do that before kickoff i think that that's for kickoff yeah okay right because things are moving and they're fluid situations sometimes yeah and then the last one was the descending capital reward based on finishing outside the playoffs. From, so from 7th through 12th in our league, which is a 12-man uh, league. Yeah, and that's really just a reason for those who know they're out of the playoffs to, to want to win even late in the season. So the way that we've structured it is, and it's a very small amount. I don't think it's a material difference overall, but you know, you want every advantage you can get. So... If you finish seventh, you get an extra $5 in the draft. If you finish eighth, you get $4. All the way down to finishing last, you get n- no bonus money yeah. for the for the draft. Uh, so this is really just to make people want to finish at least one spot higher than they might have otherwise uh, by trying to win each week. Okay. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the, the rules we voted on uh, last week. Yeah, a couple bumps in the road along the way. I highly encourage everyone. I, I think I was pleasantly surprised to see how much engagement we got in early August. Um, it was a great way to actually get people thinking about fantasy football ahead of, you know, our off season schedule. I think our trade window opened yes, today. today. Yeah. It opened today. today. Yeah. This has been a, an oddly quiet one. Uh, but so far 
uh, yeah, people starting to get their minds around fantasy football again, uh, starting to think about, you know, the inner workings of the league. So it, it went really well. I think week was nice to do it. And now I think everyone's kind of starting to build their models and think about who they're keeping. So we're on to the next, the next set, the next phase of our, of the, of the preseason, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so to, so today really what we're looking to talk about is our league, our ideal league settings and, and the scoring therein and how we we've set it up. So I think again, and we've mentioned this many times, our, our league is a 12 player league. Um, doing less than, than 12 is okay. You could probably get away with doing 10. Um, we wouldn't do less than 10 though. I think that that would just create an environment where there would be way too much um, player availability on the wire. Yeah. I mean, I personally would avoid 10 team leagues unless, you know, we were desperate. I think, you know, you, you've been spinning up a second league that we're playing in this year and we were struggling for a while to find an 11th and a 12th player, but we were pretty adamant that we didn't want to play in a 10 person league. Um, And you're right. You know, you have less than 10 players, uh everyone's teams are stacked waivers are flush there's not a lot of work to do to do to figure out who to start and then the flip side is i think you could make a case to go to 14 i think it would be you know we're big advocates of super flex and so once you start to get to 14 uh or even 16 you almost run into a situation where with qb injuries at some point in the season player teams don't, don't have enough quarterbacks to go around you know, and ideally, every team wants to have two quality quarterbacks starting every week. So I think 12 is like the sweet spot where everyone still has to do some thinking and some digging to find, you know, good quality players each week. But uh, it's not so big that, you know, you're looking through nameless players or you don't have enough quarterbacks to go around. Uh, continuing on with like the way that our league is set up, I guess we should also set the table in that uh, we play half point PPR format. Uh, so not... Not a standard type league. I don't think I've ever played in a standard league, if I'm being honest. I've only ever played in full PPR um, previously, and it's been half point for several years, basically since I, I started started playing uh, going forward. Yeah, I feel like half point is the happy medium between the two. I actually c- could be convinced that standard is the right approach because standard really has... Uh, what is good for the football team mirrors what happens in fantasy more so because just catching the ball doesn't actually do anything if you catch the ball for zero yards, for example. Um, but PPR, I think, you know, just really inflates, you know, wide receivers and catching running backs. Uh, so we found that the nice happy medium is in the half PPR setting, which I think, you know, listening to a number of podcasts seems to be pretty much the standard that most leagues the majority of leagues are running with and, and really should be thinking about. And I guess going along with that scoring piece, we should point out, and this this goes without saying for a lot of people in the modern era of fantasy football, you should be playing with decimal point scoring. You should never be playing with um, <laughs> non-decimal point scoring. Uh, the reason being is that the, the amount of ties and situations that you're going to run into, like there should be no reason that a tie occurs unless there is a true tie on a decimal point. Um, which is a lot more rare, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd never, I've never come across this other than the first year we ever played. And I think, uh, you know, just being new to, to fantasy football, we didn't know what, what the hell was going on. But yeah, you know, like we got to a point where you had to get 10 yards to get the next point, uh, which was kind of ridiculous. So I think that goes without saying. 
And then the only other rule scoring wise that we've debated, uh, which we no longer use is, is the value of a passing uh, touchdown. Uh, when we were in a single QB league, yes, we wanted to still find a way to make quarterbacks more valuable. So we made passing touchdowns worth six. Uh, but since we've gone to Superflex, we've made we've gone back to making passing touchdowns worth four. Yeah, I think that that was a good rule. I, I honestly think that the the passing touchdowns at six points was just uh, an ESPN uh, rule setting that we had had previously before we we had moved over to Yahoo. So in the beginning era of our fantasy football days, I think that's just the standard that they had set, which is which goes hand in hand with that full point PPR setting as well. So moving to four is, I think, where a lot of leagues are. Yep. It's four is the default. Actually, I think six was um, our friend Braden, who was originally running it, has a family league that he also runs. And I think that uh, league, they used six points for passing touchdowns. So he just wanted to have consistent scoring across his leagues. Got it. Uh, but I don't think it was ever the default in any of the of the platforms. <laughs> that, that's fair enough. I mean, it makes sense that he would want to make his life easier on the scoring side so he could mirror the, the scoring on all his leagues. Um, the se- regular season for us is 14 weeks long. Um, you know, that that is mirroring now the 18 week uh, regular season for the NFL. Um, we have single week playoff matchups. So there's, you know, I know in some, uh, formats, uh, people play, uh, back to back weeks against the same opponent in the playoffs. So it's like the, the best combined score over two weeks. We don't do that. It's still a single week. Well, and the reason we don't do that is we don't have the time, right? So we have three playoff rounds. I think any league that's going to be 10 or 12 players is probably going to have three playoff rounds. And you should never be playing in week 18. If your league is playing in week 18, I will uh, categorize you as playing in a broken league because you're going to put teams in a position where perhaps their best players, which are likely probably some of the best players in the league, are just sitting out because their teams have already clinched whatever they they are in the standings and they don't want to risk injury going into the playoffs. Um, You cannot have week 18 count towards anything in your league. So... Week 17 is our championship week. You know, I can't emphasize this enough. Week 18 cannot be in play. <laughs> exactly. Do not do not play fantasy football in week 18. People just just enjoy the, the games that week and, and watch. Speaking of playoffs, I know, I think, you know, varies by league size, but let's stick with 12. I think people debate, you know, how many teams should make the playoffs in a 12-team format. We use six, which I think is perfect, right? You shouldn't, I don't think you should allow teams in the bottom half of the league to make the playoffs. As we, you know, talked about earlier, fantasy is random enough with injuries and week to week performances that you, I don't think a team that's been, you know, below average all season should have the right to make the playoffs and perhaps get lucky in a, in a given week. And then six also allows us to reward those who are good enough to finish first and second with a buy. Uh, to get through the first round. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we do that maybe not all leagues do is a reseeding after each round of the playoffs. So if you've got a higher seeding going in, then you will play the lower seeded team that comes out of the bracket below you in the same 
in this in this in the you know in the playoffs yep essentially like it, it all gets reseeded and everything gets moved around that way so that that changes outcomes for a lot of people sometimes it's just a, a matter of luck if there's no reseeding in terms of who you end up with a little bit so you earn what you got in terms of your matchup that way yep and that i mean that is supportive in support of the same argument right you finish sixth or fifth perhaps you should have the hardest uh, route to the final. So if you beat, you finish fifth and you beat second, uh, let's say first beat sixth. Now you have to play uh, first um, or whatever the reseeding, you know, however it plays out, lower seeded teams should play the higher seeded teams. It should be more difficult for them. For the commissioners and the co-commissions, there is a setting that just allows you to check the box for reseeding in the playoffs. So it's very easy to do. There's no manual labor involved. I think that covers everything that we were going to go through today in terms of our league settings. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Hardo story time. All right. I have a pretty interesting one uh, that someone wrote into us. Let me hold on. Let me just pull it up. Ooh, our first our first submission. Yeah. All right. So I've got two here, but I think we got time for one. Would you like to hear? Let me. Uh, let me summarize these without giving them away. Title them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to do here. The auto drafter or the crazy league mate. Let's call it the dangerous league mate. Let's call it let's call it that. Let's do dangerous league mate. That sounds dangerous league mate. All right. So this is from Lester. He writes, "One year we needed a 12th person in our se- in our second year of the of running this league. So we invited a guy uh, that had just gotten out of prison after four years. So Lester's the commissioner. He's never met this person. Uh, he said he's drafted as if he hadn't watched football in four years. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> uh, he complained about everything. He never contributed to any camaraderie to the conversation. Uh, dealt with this for two years before the co-commissioner. It sounds like they had uh, divisions within their league. So he had a commissioner running one division and Lester was running the other. Uh, came to Lester, asked him if he could get rid of him. Lester agrees. Almost a year after they kicked him out, he randomly gets added to a group text and sends 20 novel-length texts explaining how Lester and everyone in the division are going to hell for treating him unfairly. <laughs> and so Lester points out that it actually was the other commissioner that that uh, asked to have him removed. Oh. A week after this, after this episode... This guy shows up on the news uh, accused of kidnapping his girlfriend's daughter. Jesus. And so now the whole league feels like they're the ones who drove him to insanity. And it turned out that the accusations were false. Okay. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't the kidnapper. They're not sure where he is now. <laughs> but I can't imagine what it would be like to... You don't even know this guy. And now he's hitting you up. He's been in, in prison I mean, I don't know how they. To all the yeah, to all the hardos out there, don't recruit the the to fill the last spot from uh, the prison the prison yard. That's probably not an advisable thing to do. Uh, you could definitely end up with an interesting story, but uh, it may not be worth it at the end of the day. There's actually there's just, there's a part two to this story, oh. um, and this is where it gets like really insane. So Lester finishes last one year. And he gets the loser trophy. He changes the name on the plaque to be a memorial to the guy they kicked out. 
It's posted on their Facebook groups page. And then this is going on for a while. They're all making fun of this guy. He's gone. They're laughing about this plaque. And he then notices that the Facebook group has 13 members in it, even though the league only has 12. Oh, no. And (laughs) so one of the guys in the league points out that this guy who was in prison, who they kicked out, he got blocked from Facebook for trying to sell a gun on Facebook Marketplace. And so now they're all sitting there because I don't think they can actually kick him out of this Facebook group. But they're waiting for the day where his Facebook account gets reinstated and he can see all the shit talking they've been doing amongst themselves. So this is like this is some crazy stuff. Again, do not recruit for your fantasy football league from the prison yard. Not a good idea. I mean, we've had instances where one or two of us have a side chat laughing about something that's happening and then. Someone clicks into the wrong chat and, you know, yeah. makes a wrong shit-talking chat, comment that didn't intend to send to the entire group. <laughs> yeah. But this is, like, a whole nother level. It definitely is. Uh, I you can come back from saying, I can't believe you started, you know, X over Y. Yeah. But, you know, you got 12 guys laughing at this guy that they kicked out who's trying to sell a gun on Facebook Marketplace. Oh my God. <sighs> well, with that said, and our Fantasy Hardo story time concluded... I think it's time for us to wrap up for the week. We'd love to hear from all of you. So if you have an example of a time where you took fantasy sports too far, whether that's football or another sport, or you have a story of a league mate or a friend that you know that went to the extreme for the sake of fantasy sports, please feel free to write into us at fantasyhardos at gmail.com. We'll be looking to share these stories every week, and uh, we can't wait to hear from all of you. Until next time, bye-bye.